Hello and welcome to The Anti-Racist Economy with Kim Creighton. As the anti-racist economist, Kim Creighton is dedicated to building a future that is supremacy, coercion, discrimination, and exploitation free. Each episode, join Kim and myself, Erin Mills, as we discuss the intersection of current events, pop culture, social change, ever exploring the critical dynamics of anti-racism and psychological safety in today's rapidly evolving economy. So Kim, uh, this is episode 13. Are you one of those folks who buys into lucky number 13? I don't do. It's funny because I was about to say, because I, 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 when I was growing up, 13 was not lucky. You know, you the elevators would skip like like they have a miss a, a floor in the, in the missing or something. Uh-huh. Um, but I do believe in numerology. Okay. But um yeah, no, I haven't thought about the number 13 because it's actually number four. And I don't know enough about numerology to know this stuff offhand. But I do believe in like, like my favorite numbers are odd numbers. So I do like the number 13 because it's an odd number. I don't know why that is, but I love, I, I have to, maybe it's the ADHD, but I like things to end and odd. And so, ah, so this is, you know how if you'll see when I send you stuff on, um, and I use emojis, emojis, I'll, yeah. I normally do three. It's either three or five. I love that. Oh, that's that's interesting. Well, I had a boss who, who would always like th- like if we'd put a, a presentation together, he'd always three photos is better than two. It's same. There's something yes. about composition mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. odd numbers. A hundred percent. And wait, I'm going to challenge you on something because you said something that I, I said I know what it is because the minute it what? came out of my mouth, boss. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. The minute it that's came out that of my supremacy. Mouth, yep. yep. That's supremacy. And I don't call anybody. Is it somebody? I, I I got to. I I will do. I can't even say. I say I don't even call. I don't put it as the the person. I put it as the role. So what I say, they manage your roles and responsibilities, or they supervise your roles and responsibilities. But I never, um, because it feels different when in people's bodies when they say boss. It really changes how you move. Yeah, I oh. I feel that. Even when I said it, I I know it, I felt I was like, this is an archaic word coming out of my mouth, and also mm-hmm. it immediately implements a power structure. Yes, right? exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah. what the and in the book that I I taught I worked through that because I don't uh, we can never get to supremacy free if we don't if that's the first thing we do is talk about. It's not about having. Um, hierarchical. Hierarchical, whatever. I can't say the word right now. Y'all know how my brain works. Roles in organizations because you need people to be held accountable for things. But how I define it is you are managing the roles and responsibilities of other people. You are not managing those people because that's where the problem comes in. You have an attitude. Bitch, don't worry about my attitude. Did I get the work done? <laughs> that's yeah. what you need to be. And we, and again, we, 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 we spend so much time talking about people's attitude. Well, not everybody. Some folks can just do what the fuck they want to with their attitude in the workplace, but others do not. And so they, they spend, they spend way more time managing their whatever so that it does not, um, so that they're managing other people's feelings. Um, instead of doing what the hell they were hired for. So yeah, that I don't, I, that word boss has always bothered me and I didn't understand it until I really started digging into this work of white supremacy and stuff as yet. I just don't like, I am nobody's boss. 
I know. Well, I always get uncomfortable uh, now that I have my own company with folks referencing me in that way too. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm. It's interesting too. Whereas that makes me incredibly uncomfortable. But but using that terminology to describe mm -hmm. for yourself. Now, Exactly. But it makes sense because it makes sense because as a white woman, you're, you're playing the role. That's what playing you do, role. you know? Yep. yep. And yep. so it's, and, and for me, it's just like, yeah, I don't, that, there's no freedom in having a boss. I'm an adult. I'm responsible for my own behavior and I am fully uh, capable of dealing with the consequences and, and being held accountable for those things, but they must follow. They must fall within the framework because this is another reason why it's problematic. This is why I say rules and responsibilities, because it doesn't fall in the framework of those rules and responsibilities, roles and responsibilities. You ain't got shit to say to me. With boss, I could be doing anything on any given day. I can tell you to go get my coffee. I can tell you to go wash my car. I can tell you that, that because you feel because this is it, my boss. After that ain't my that ain't. Let me look. That's not one of my roles and responsibilities, buddy. <laughs> so I'm not doing that. That goes back to an early conversation we had about quiet quitting. Not quite quitting. It's people not no longer doing the things that they're not, that they're not supposed. That's not in their de documented roles and responsibilities. Right, a hundred percent. And I, it's like we've gotten away from documentation. I don't know why. We just had a our last episode. We talked about an entire business, multi billion dollar business that <laughs> had no documentation, or mm -hmm. if that it was on Slack. Um, and it's unfortunate because standard operating procedures, I mean, we're, again, we're in a knowledge economy an information yes. economy, right? That's the only way for folks to understand what's required, what's, what's, you know, um, and yet there's so much that that is not documented. There's yeah. so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because you're, we don't run businesses with manuals anymore. And so you need tests. You need to get that test knowledge out of my head of how to do this job to either train somebody new, you know, to bring a team on or when I leave, and this is what's happening. When we leave, we take it all with us and you, and you got to start all over from scratch. Right. Which is why so many companies are just in a perpetual state of chaos and just yep. reeling all the time because folks, they leave every year, every two years, it's just a perpetual cycle. Mm -hmm. um, yep which is really unsustainable, but that could be its own episode. <laughs> but, it, but I did actually want, because I'm so glad that we're having this conversation about boss because something happened to me uh, two weeks ago that I've been meaning to bring up with you. I was, I'm doing some painting in my home and I was meeting with uh, the contractor and he was asking me a question about where I wanted this one color. And he goes, do you want it in the master bedroom? It, oh, he said, excuse me, the primary bedroom. Mm. he corrected himself mm -hmm. and it occurred to me and I thought oh my god like I had never thought about the implications of that terminology yeah. and the derivative and I said oh my god like it was so eye-opening to me and I was I was thrilled I that, that he corrected himself mm -hmm. uh but yeah like that is enough like when we talk about these words that that just have these this is one of the problems that the, the the ongoing conversations that's happening in tech because there's some um language in 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 coding called master slave yes yes <laughs> oh, I, we're, so we're in a podcast probably not everyone saw my reaction to that but it, <laughs> it was visceral um yeah Wow. And so you have the group who, you know, the status quo group, but that's how we've always done it. And you have other people like, I don't give a fuck. We need to change this because changing the terminology doesn't change how it functions. 
it just removes triggering, oppressive, historically abhorrent language mm -hmm. that people drop in just in, oh my God, just saw a video um, that talked about, okay, we'll get back on the topic, but y'all know how we do this. Oh, just yeah. saw a video um, that, that broke down the history of the duct tape that you have at the fairs where somebody sits on and they throw mm -hmm. a ball or something at a target yeah. and the person drops. It was actually black people's heads that people were throwing balls and shit at at the beginning for entertainment. And then they realized, and then at some point they, they to simulate it, they put clowns on the thing and did it. But yeah, it was, I, this is why I say every system, institution and policy is rooted in white supremacy and anti-blackness. Something as folks will believe as, and I didn't know, as benign as a fucking dunk tank was created to, as entertainment for white folks to throw shit at black people. You know what gator bait is? No. They used to use black babies to, to um, get gators to, to, as bait for alligators. Oh my God. So when I say every system to system policy, I may not be at that moment aware of the historical white, where how it's rooted in white supremacy and anti-blackness, but I know it's there. Well, it is. I mean, I put on a Disney movie the other day with my family and I can't remember which one it was, but I've noticed this on a few. There's a slate that comes up. Have you seen this? It comes up and it says, something to the effect of we as an organization acknowledge that the depictions in this film, right. You know, cause harm are based on biases. Like they, they, there's a whole, yes. and I, I'm doing mm -hmm. it by not saying it correctly, but, but they say we have made the choice to leave these. In. Yes. Because they're, because they are, they are, it, it's about, again, how do you mm -hmm. deal with creative creatives or creativity mm -hmm. or art or whatever, when the time has changed because like right now oh my god I'm, i love british shows and i'm watching every british show that i watch that i'm watching one right now called i watch it over and over again call it as time goes by it is the most racist the most sexist literally there's a character called alistair who his his little tagline is hey hey and he's always sexually harassing people always sexually harassing people um there's one scene where there was they were at this um you know the video the the i forgot what they call them the the camera booth where you get the four you get in there and you yeah. get the four pictures yeah like um, a, there was this, yeah okay and yeah. so this one person um this this asian gentleman s stuck his head in and i can know we didn't say asian back in and one of the characters said why is a chinaman in your um video in the picture it's like, what? Oh my God. Yes. Right. And so I get it. We can't, we can't. And so this is what white folks particularly get with, oh, we can't, um, we can't change this because this is a historic. Uh, that's why we had the Confederate flag. First of all, let's be clear about why the Confederate flag is flying in the South. It is because after rest, um, re reconstruction and with Jim Crow, uh, particularly the daughters of the, the Confederacy were able to, they re, 
told the history of the South, where the losers did not have to pay a price. And they wanted to, they, they, again, like we talked about the last episode about covering your ass and you come up with a narrative to make it so, you used the Confederacy, the symbols of the Confederacy as a way to keep Southerners prideful so they can come back to the Union. Fuck them! Seriously. Oh my God. It's so nauseating. I see them all the time when I go to the South and it's just like. And, and, and so it is the, it is the same stuff. It is. Yes. We can acknowledge that times have changed. And so what Disney is doing is putting this on their thing. And yet it does have um, historical value because that is, we don't want to go back and start rewriting history. Just tell them, can we get to a place where we fucking tell accurate history? Yeah, I don't need you to rewrite it. I just need you to be honest about it. I know. I know. Well, it's it's so my favorite show. I love British shows too. The Golden Girls. So I am an avid mm-hmm. Golden Girl. Like mm-hmm. I love, and it's so interesting because I mean I've watched it for years. I know every episode. I have yes. mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> it was incredibly, at the time, incredibly groundbreaking. It yes. addressed topics right that mm-hmm. that hadn't been addressed before. It was very LGBT. LGBTQ plus friendly. Mm-hmm. However, even now as I'm rewatching them, I'm realizing some of the decisions they made and how they would be harmful and certainly mm-hmm. are perceived as harmful today. Whereas back then it got a laugh today. It would not be appropriate. So, and, see, it, uh, and, and I'm going to challenge you because I don't think it was LGBTQ friendly. It was gay friendly. There you go. That's right. Because they didn't talk about shit was but gay because her son was gay, right? It was Blanche's brother. See, I'm a real. Yeah, I Blanche's brother. Blanche's but, brother. Clay. Yeah, brother. Yes, yep, exactly. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and it's interesting too because it developed it developed like a niche following among the community. And there was other. In fact, in the pilot episode, they had a roommate, um, who was perceived again perceived but being mm-hmm. a very, to mm-hmm. be gay, um, mm-hmm. but he never made it past the pilot, which is interesting. But they also, I just remember they had a fee. Yeah. You remember it was Dorothy's friend who was gay who fell in love with um, yes. Rose. That's right. That's right. Yes. So they did. Yes, that's yes. right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Because but they were all white. No trans, no non-binary. So yeah. So, and, and, it's, and so I can look, some shows I can look at and see it as that and be like, okay. Some shows that shit is just overtly that that was the, the case. And I can't watch those anymore. <laughs> right. And even again, even shows again, this is where we get into like well-meaning and intention being harmful, uh-huh. like even shows, you know, like anyway, it's just, it's just, it's interesting to see the evolution and it just goes mm-hmm. to show that there always is an evolution. Yes. And you'll, you'll never be, and this is why it's a great segue into white supremacy mm-hmm. as a white person like, I think you and I often talk about like white supremacy. I think it's helpful for the audience, like white supremacy as a construct, like what, cause I think as white, white people get very defensive when they hear white supremacy and that's yeah, like problematic. It's defensive just using the fucking word white and they have no problem calling me black. But when I call it, when folks call it white, they, it's a cuss word. <laughs> it is a cuss word. It's very foreign. You're right. Folks react to it. And then the weirdest thing is this Caucasian word that's still floating around on forms, which I don't think anyone has any. Nobody uses that, that word anymore. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so that's really confusing. Um, and you and I have to talk too about the fact that like white is, there's no community in white. 
it's, nope. it's no, no, no solidarity, right. no loyalty, no right. community, no right. nothing. <laughs> right. Um, it's all about the individual. And it's interesting because it, when you read the checkboxes, like there's always an other. And I feel like white people should be the other because we don't have a community. Like it's like, you know, like it's, you know, Asian, Black. Mm -hmm. Latinx, mm -hmm. like, and then mm -hmm. it's like, I feel like we should be other <laughs> because we don't necessarily have like, like, anyway, that's another conversation. But mm -hmm. the trigger for this week was you were reading an article um, that you shared with me about uh, mobile homes mm -hmm. and the increasing kind of consumption of land and property that are typically uh, trailer parks, right? Where trailer mm -hmm. homes reside um, by large businesses. and you know, how that's reverberated throughout the, the mobile home owning community and what some folks are doing to kind of compete with that. And um, so, so that was sort of, you know, kind of the trigger because I, you know, and I'll, I'll let you certainly share your perspective, but for example, in some communities, folks have gone ahead and mobilized co-ops, right? A cooperative in order um, to stand up to big business and to protect their homes and their, and their land. Um, but that represents, you know, a, a privileged few, you know, um, mm -hmm. so anyway, let's, so let's get into it. Um, so, um, and you said that, let me, cause I want to bring up the exact, um, part because they talk about how, um, how few folks who in part trailer parts can actually avail themselves of this. So basically it, it is, um, and why this is tied to white supremacy. So let me be honest. More folk, I know more white folks that live in trailer parks than I know black folks that live in trailer parks because there are more white folks, uh, poor white folks in the United States than there are poor black people or poor Latinx people. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get, okay, this is, this is, so um, what's going on is just like with the housing market, these companies were co are coming in paying cash for for these trailer parks. So what this article talks about is, and let's be clear, this article talks about folks who own their trailer parks and are renting the land on which it sits within the, I mean, own their trailer and mm -hmm. are renting the land on which it sits within the trailer park. So this out of the article says, the country's roughly 43,000 mobile home communities are home to 22 million people, according to the Manufactured Housing Institute, a national trade organization, organization. but only about a thousand are resident owned. So if you think, so that means out of 43,000, 42,000 are, are not, cannot, have not, for whatever reason, avail themselves of the resident owned. And one of those reasons, and why I get back to how this is a, a product of white supremacy and anti-blackness is the majority of people who are the poorest are white people and they do not own their trailers nor the land on which they, they it sits. So it becomes the same situation where if they, your apartment complex or your house is bought out, you have to go. Where do you go? Because you don't have it. So they were already saying that if you have, if you own the trailer, how problematic it is to find somewhere else to take your trailer if it was bought out. Mm -hmm. But if you don't own the trailer or the land, you are homeless. Right. 
And so this is why these articles bother me because they highlight this great thing that only a fat only a thousand out of the 4,300 have been able to avail themselves of. Because when they talked about it, one couldn't do it because the land was 50, uh, $44 million. And there's no, there was no, um, um, there were no, they don't have the resources to get, what the hell you, you don't have the resources to live in. So from what I see from this is, these are some, some really well, uh, um, either some cheap land, or people with trailer homes who are really nice because most people do not own their trailer homes. They rent them. So how do you deal with, so it's like, yeah, it was a great article. It's great to see that this is an option, but this is an option for, again, a small percentage of people who need an option for housing. Correct. Well, and not only that, but as we were discussing this article before the podcast, you pointed out that there's tons of information and knowledge asymmetry here because how many yep. people mm -hmm. in this situation would really have the knowledge or means to 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 mobilize right to actually create a co-op but also mm -hmm. this is only in like four, five or six states that can do this that's so right that, and none of them were in the south because that's where i know trailer parks are none of them were in the south that are even allowed this this you two come together as a co-op and have resources and have somebody again information asymmetry on or on uh, uh, some organization that walk you through the process of doing this this thing there is so it, it was like the, the it told the story but again it, it was the surface it told the fluff oh yeah this is great but you don't really get into i would have liked to see um they mentioned folks who wanted the few who wanted and couldn't but i would like to have seen and, and some some conversation with folks who cannot avail themselves to this and what are, what they are doing. Right. So it was, again, it was this one sided. I mean, it was like like with so much in tech, you know, they give you the AI to play around with. So everybody now is doing chat GPT, but no one's talking about the fact that you are feeding a data set. So they're getting free data from you. You're feeding a data set and it is not fucking AI. It is not artificially intelligent. And at some point it's gonna come back to bite people. And we're already seeing it with people in newsrooms losing their jobs because now news organizations are using quote unquote regenerative AI to write articles, but yet they're finding all these problems. Because they're treating it like fucking humans and it's not, and it's causing harm. So in this situation, yeah, that's a great conversation. But when I'm talking about hood namas, when I'm talking about straight North chaser, the average, how do they, how do they find this information out? And then when they find it, what do they do with it? Well, exactly. I, I know a lot of shit. I can't do nothing with it. <laughs> well, that's just it. And that's where privilege enters, right? And yep. It's interesting too, because, you know, is it fair to, I don't know if this is a fair statement, you know. Well, I'm gonna let you finish it and then I'm gonna have a caveat to that. Okay. I, uh, just before you even say anything, I'm gonna have a caveat to that, go ahead. There, you know, is it fair to say the marginalized equivalent, because like to, to, to draw a comparison, so the, the mobile home population, as we've said, is just largely is largely white, right? That That's where a mm -hmm. lot of, you know, in, you know, 
impoverished white folks live. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at apartment housing, you know, or, you know, or, you know, it, it, no one's writing about that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, like the, even the story is focusing on like the white faction mm-hmm. of this community and no one's talking mm-hmm. about high rise apartment buildings and urban population, you know, urban centers. So, so again, it's just, I was just going to point out sort of the inequity in that aspect as well. Um, and even if there were folks mobilizing and doing interesting things on that front, would they even get the airtime? You know, and, and we're seeing that, and I'll go back to this just a minute. Yeah. And we're seeing that with, um, with, um, all the, you know, everybody's now remote working, right? And and, and they're trying these these mayors and shit are trying to force people back in because industry is dying in downtowns that had these businesses. But when we folks talk about, well, you have these biz these buildings. Won't you turn them into housing? Oh, no, no, can't do that. Mm-mm, nope. <laughs> and so even when we have the resources, it reminds me of this thing I think about all the time. And then I'm going to get to where I wanted to. to, to um, it reminds me of this all the time. And I did not think about this. You see all these empty strip malls, right? And then you see right across the street, they're building a new strip mall. Mm-hmm. And you, logically, you think, well, why didn't they just put people in the old strip mall? Because what do developers do? They develop. That's all they do. They don't read. For, and so if your job is to develop, you're looking for development opportunities. You're not looking to re, to reuse what you already built. You're right. moving to the next development. Right. You're not so a redeveloper. So, <laughs> yes. So even so even that in the economy isn't efficient or effective. You're building more spaces when we already have spaces that could be used. So I'm gonna get to the word fair. That's what I'm gonna hit. I don't use the word fair because historically, who gets to define fair? Who gets to define what's fair? folks with the power and privilege to define what's fair. So I, I rarely, outside of calling it when you go to a fair, <laughs> I rarely use the word fair to as a term of equity. I use the word equity because that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Again, we're talking about terms. That's right. So ec- like equitable, if this is an equitable yes. comparison, would have been a better... Yes. yes. Do you use the word just? How do you feel about the word just? I don't. And that's why I don't, I'm not in social justice. I'm in social change. Because what I think is just might not be what somebody else thinks is just. Particularly the most vulnerable, particularly the person who is harmed. If I have no skin in the game, who the fuck am I to say what's just for them? What's justice for them? And this is where white folks fuck up again, because the um, y'all always try to tell us what well, we did. That, I didn't ask for that. That does nothing for me. That absolves your white guilt. It does absolutely nothing for me. Now, if we co-created a just resolution that I can say, yes, this, this will make me hold again, because that's what it is. It's making amends and making whole. But who gets to define what just what's justice? Because as we talked about in this last episode about the 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 prison system, mm-hmm. folks thinks that thinks that's just. But when you look at the 
the conditions these folks live in, particularly when you look at the conditions, I'm even talking about prison. Those are people after fucking trial. Think about how many folks are in jails right now just because they cannot pay cash bail. And those who don't have to sit there because they can't pay cash bail. There's nothing just in that system. I commit a murder, you commit a murder. You get out because you got, you can make that 10%, but I got to sit in jail, pre-trial. I do a white collar crime, you do a white collar crime. But because I don't have the funds, I don't get to walk. And 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 conduct my defense outside of being incarcerated. So yeah, I have a problem with just too. Yeah, I don't use change is the only constant. That's why I use social change. To me, is society has to change, so it just makes sense. Social justice. When black folks said we need to defund the police, white folks bastardized the word and turned it into something that they, we didn't need. So yeah, I don't use the word just either. I also remember you you prefer the word equity over equality because- There's no such thing as no equality. Thing. There's no such thing as equality. Mm -hmm. I've never been equal. There is nothing about the system since, again, let's talk about it. When the constitution was written, I was, my folks was property. There's no way in the constitution I can ever be equal to you. I don't give a damn how many amendments they make. Because fundamentally from its roots, I was, the, our constitution was designed for the um, justification of this, um, annihilation of indigenous people and the enslavement of Africans for free labor. I am free labor. How the fuck is that? How can, how, how, if I can, my, my whole generational line is about free labor. Which is why when we're at our jobs, y'all get pissed when black women don't do what the fuck you say because you still have, you may not talk about it, but it's ingrained in you. You expect free labor. When you bring in your, your if you have a, let's say, no, just, just, it's derogatory as fuck. Let's say you have a Mexican who does your yard. They go up on their prices. You questioning why the fuck they're going up on their price because you don't think their value of who they are. It's work you don't want to do. That's why you hired them. But how dare this Mexican ask for what the fuck they think they're worth? Then we get into, oh, that's just illegal. Then we, we, again, we justify our position in it. It's interesting. I'm thinking back to where I grew up. I grew up in Wisconsin in a, in a small town and predominantly farm farmers, like that was the occupation. We were not farmers. And mm -hmm. And there was a large canning manufacturer, like a canning plant, because mm -hmm. corn, there was a lot of corn. And the migrant, they were called migrant workers, they mm -hmm. would come in yep. um, and they would work, uh, they would work in the summer and to, to handle all the canning and all of the field mm -hmm. plowing, et cetera. And that was like my first exposure as a child. I was about five when we moved there. And I, I remember they had their own dwellings 
on like the other side of town. It, it was mm -hmm. incredibly uh, divisive. And I remember like one time seeing folks who didn't look like me, who, who didn't speak my language, you know, and and I remember asking like a like a friend, I said, who who are these people? So they live in the town. And I remember, mm -hmm. you know, and that was just such an interesting upbringing to have this this in our, you know, like in our town. And it was something that people did barely spoke of. Exactly. But it was, exactly. Mm -hmm. And it was but it was just unbelievable, like the dynamic, like mm -hmm. this entire population of people who would come mm -hmm. in to do work that others didn't want to do. Yeah, clearly for less wage, obviously. Mm -hmm. Right. And the, and and their housing was clearly substandard to to ours. Yep. Mm -hmm. They, you know, um, I remember one time going to a you mentioned a fair, like a, like a mm -hmm. little festival, um, and seeing some of the migrant workers with their families. And I remember my mom actually saying, um, she she that she didn't think they had enough money to unfortunately to 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 participate, like you because it was you mm -hmm. know. And I, anyway, it's just interesting that you bring that up because I'm just realizing that from a very early age, I was exposed to that. So but it was exactly, but, but no one talked about it. But no one talked about it, and it, at the same time, I'm learning in school about slavery and how it was. But wrong. are you learning about slavery? Well, See, that's that's what I'm saying. That's what yep. I'm saying. I'm being yep. told about slavery, but it's literally happening in my backyard. But no, no, I'm asking you, are you really yeah. learning about slavery? Are you, are you, or were you learning about whitewash slavery that makes you feel comfortable? And that's why people are pissed off right now. Because, because I can tell you, I learned whitewash slavery. I didn't, the only reason I knew, I knew what I knew about slavery because I was, grew up in Atlanta in a black ass town with the civil rights movement. That was the only reason I knew that I was getting half the goddamn story. Um, and you think about, Texas is one of the biggest, and you see what's happening in Texas, right? Mm -hmm. Texas and California are the two um, main book, um, uh, where textbooks for schools come from. Texas writes the curriculum for most of the goddamn country. Wow, I did not know that. Yep. They write their curriculum in California. So I guess if you want a progressive um, uh, curriculum you get it from they that but texas all our books were from texas all of our shit came from texas and look at what the fuck they're doing and so it, and again going back to our trigger folks who live in homes don't think about people who live in trailer parks I mean, single family dwellings, houses, not, they don't think about people living in trailer parks. And I've seen some nice ass trailers. Good God Almighty. I've seen some trailers that's better than mo a lot of houses. <laughs> and yet there's no equity there either. So even in that article, so there's no, there's no equity between, because, okay. Oh, this is a good one. I have a house. You have a house. We live on our land. It's a part of our mortgage. Now, the city, excuse me, government can come in and, 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 and eminent domain that shit. They can do all that. But when I pay my mortgage, it pays for the lot that my house sits on. They own a trailer. They don't own the land. And when the landowner decides to sell or whatever, you got to get your damn trailer off this shit. Now, think about the people who don't not only not own the land, but they don't own the trailer. 
And so the, I, I really want to be clear for folks. This is why we have these conversations. They seem to meander, but I want you to see how things are connected. And I want you to go below the surface because everything is not as simple. If you would continue with the binary, white supremacy wins because that's what it's called. It is designed to, to, to be wedged shoes. And it's not new. If you watch PBS's um, uh, Prohibition series, we've been here, but this is the Folks in the rural country, religious folks in the rural country were able through bribes, through lies, through everything else to put their will on states that believed that were wet, that didn't have a problem with alcohol because that's where the migrants and stuff were. So again, going back to migrants, that's where the immigrants were. They weren't in Alabama. They weren't because they were in New York and they were in, you know, those kind of places. So, and they knew the census was coming when it, when, when it came, when they, when they, they knew that they had a small window because when that census came, they knew they were about to lose the, the control of the country. This shit is strategic people. It's strategic. And so when you pull the one thread, you have to understand, and this is why I don't believe there is no equality. Because when you pull that one thread, there's another one that you did not know about. If it was just the one thread, you could say, okay, we get, the, you pull that one thread, now we even, we equal. We're not. That one, that one, it, it's, it's, the, it's the iceberg. That tip, there's a whole fucking a mass up underneath that can, that can sink the Titanic. <laughs> that we're not even aware of. We don't even see because it's below the surface. And so that's what I spend my time doing, digging below the surface. Mm -hmm. And seeking because, alternatives. Yes. Sorry to interrupt you. But, no, but no, no, like, no, no, no. But fixing is not, a, not an option because of yes. how deep-seated this is. And we don't, and, and let me, let, let, I want to tease that a bit. Yeah. And it's not because we can't fix it, because we could. The folks who with the experience to fix it don't have the resources or the power to do so. So we're spinning our wheels and we're wasting our time and I'm not doing that anymore. So because you won't live it, I don't have the FTX. I don't have the, 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 uh, the political power. I don't have that. So I have to make do with what I do, with what my community has been doing all the time. We've been figuring out how to survive and thrive on our own. When people talk about, and this is something that I really have a problem with black folks, I'm going to be honest. When people talk about, I don't know if y'all know what chitlins are, but chitlins are hog intestines, right? And you have these folks from the city, ooh, that stinks, I couldn't eat that. Bitch, if that's what you was a slave, that's all they gave you. But we done got so assimilated to whiteness that the things that made us survive as a community, they gave us rotten ass meat and we seasoned the shit out of it and we made some shit and we survived. You think what you think Massa gave us quality cuts of meat? They gave us what the hell they weren't eating. That's why we have sauce meat, hog maw, all the shit. We we could not afford to throw away anything. And so to see black folks today talk down to what our ancestors had to use to survive so that they ask even exist. That's I have a problem with that. Because at any moment, white supremacists could decide to take all this shit from us and we'd be eating that same shit again. Because <laughs> again, we don't have the power. We don't have, we don't, what we have, and people don't like this. This is why I do not participate. I have never participated in democracy. 
all the, because democracy means I have rights. I have no rights that cannot be taken away from me. None. Because that constitution was not written for me. And folks are saying this now, everybody wants to be all in up in arms about the damn abortion. Black women have been telling y'all this shit. Black women have the highest infant mortality and, and, and um, uh, birth mother mortality, period. We told, the activists told y'all what was fucking coming. And now all of a sudden, oh, our wombs. You didn't give a shit about our wombs. So it's, again, just like with this, white supremacy at some point will eat its host. Mm-hmm. And until whiteness makes the conscious decision to align itself, because it's going against you, because again, you have no solidarity, you don't understand this. It's an act, you have to be active. And you have to make the intentional and strategic choices to be in community with us. That's the only way you survive it too. But you, but when you try to come in contact or solidarity, y'all try to come in and take over. And we're like, no, you can get the fuck out. Bye. Yeah. Well, that, and I always like to surface this because it's some of the, some of what I first learned from you, Kim, and I identified it myself was, White folks, we don't know how to manage our feelings. <laughs> we take things personally. We get upset. We grieve on your behalf. All of these things are wholly inappropriate. And listen, they're your feelings. That's why the word is manage your feelings. You're going to have your feelings, mm-hmm. right? Can't control anyone's feelings, but you can understand when they're productive or if they're productive. And generally, mm-hmm. they're not in these conversations, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. And and that's that is. Just like you often say, Kim, you are trying to help others while also processing your own oppression. I am process. Right? I am educating the Educate. oppressor while also processing right. my own oppression. Right. So you are living, and we say, often say you are. You're forced to work within the matrix while trying mm-hmm. to like live outside <laughs> of it and to like. Mm-hmm. But and I, you know, and I think similarly, white people when they're when we're in conversations like this, like yes, we are processing our culpability right? Because mm-hmm. we have it. We have it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing that it, 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 I shouldn't say it's nothing that we did. Some, some folks um, are, are active, actively. Yeah. Are it's, active. it's, 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 it's mm-hmm. a spectrum. Are you, are you going to lean into yeah. full on white supremacy or are right. you going to lean into developing a consistent demonstrated anti-racist practice? Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But we all are culpable. And so, so also I came and I always talk about, you can't unhear these conversations. So if you're here for it, like you have a decision to make, Yep. And so, and so anyway, so, so it's a decision of where you're going to be, are you going to continue to be complicit? Cause once you yeah. know, you cannot, you cannot unknow. Right. Exactly. And I, and now I can hold you accountable. Exactly. And that's why I'm, and that's another reason why I'm doing this work. I want, I, I, I don't want, I'm trying to remove every opportunity. Somebody can say, I didn't know you're a damn lie. I told you. Mm-hmm. And not only did I tell you, but I went back and debriefed it to make sure you understood it. Cause I'm an educator. Not just about did you know, is did you understand and did you know your role in it? Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, <laughs> I love our conversations, <laughs> but I but I would imagine 
we always say like after these conversations, like, you know, it's, it, you have to, it's a lot. It's a lot to talk yes. about. It's mm-hmm. a lot. And um, so I go get high and lay in the bed afterwards. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> want to say that on your behalf, but yeah, I was going <laughs> to, we usually talk about the gummies. Yeah. Yeah. It's time to hit it. Let's <laughs> do it. Me a gummy. Go get me a gummy, soak in the tub, and chill. Watch some British TV. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and so this is our natural segue to joy. And so, you know, what are you feeling joyful about? I am feeling joyful about planning my summer tour. So I'm going to be on a comedy tour with my friend Zoe um, talking, and I'm going to be opening up the show um, with Straight No Chaser. Um, and that's just, you know, bringing hoodnomics to the to the communities. Let's start talking, having some honest conversations about uh, honest and informed conversations about the economy. And then I if everything goes as planned, I'm supposed to be in the UK and Europe most of the summer doing um, book events where it's I don't like I'm not doing a book reading. What it will be is two or three hours of real work. We'll be strategizing, going through the book, and people will walk away with real strategies for how they, they um, how to move forward. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm actually really excited this week because I'm recording my passage from your book. So Kim invited me uh, to voice over my case study, which is in Profit Without Oppression. Uh, so I'm really excited to do that. So that's bringing me joy. I have my time blocked off tomorrow for my recording session. And so uh, thank you for inviting me to be a part of the book in such a big way. I'm I am, really honored. Yeah, I'm so happy because I couldn't do an audio book like everybody else. I'm not looking for some pristine, polished shit. It's going to be the, the authors of the case studies are reading them. And then it'll be me reading with flubs and ums and ahs and all that good stuff. But it will be with commentary. I get to comment, comment on what I was thinking or I'm thinking in that moment when I'm reading it. So they'll, you'll get, it's, it's more of a podcast, more of a book club thing rather than me singing. Dun, 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 dun. I'm not, that is not my personality. <laughs> I know. I love that. And that's what I love about our podcast too. You know, we don't edit out anything. We don't, there's times where there's a giant pregnant pause because I'm just yes. processing. Like I'm processing <laughs> something that Kim said. And I'm thinking, oh shit. Like yeah. I didn't even think about it that way. And now what am I going to say next? So that's great that you're adopting that same philosophy for the book, because again, we're trying to model like how it's we strategic, should, it's, it's yeah. authentic conversations, authentic, um, authentic hopefulness self. and strategic action. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and that's what I'm on. And that's why my social media was, I tried the Medicare color coordinate. That shit feels this unauthentic. It's fake. I want to do unfiltered social media. Um, I don't need, and this is one of the reasons why people are burning themselves out. We're ch- folks are trying to create brands by emulating fakeness. All of it's fake. I saw a picture of a white chick the other day before and after the filter. I wouldn't have been able to pick that bitch out of a lineup nowhere. <laughs> she looked completely fucking different. I saw that Forbes have, did an article about that. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's disarming. It's like oh yes, my God. and you see, and you have regular folks who again we have limited resources, limited time. They're trying to emulate that fake shit and they're burning out. I know, and it so, makes yeah. me. It just it, uh, as a mother of a little girl, it makes me sad too. It's like have we learned 
nothing people have we learned nothing after you know like it's just but what's interesting is it's not just the girl it's a lot of boys are struggling oh yeah um then before i mean girls have always had the the insecure that was all our clicks are instant cause us to be insecure particularly mm-hmm. that middle school years of course but boys have not are, are 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 being are being impacted by body conscious and body dys, um dysmorphia and all that stuff now it is this is where we're talking about when you asked last episode about what would what would people need to do think about some long-term impact right these people are building. These people have built these these tech platforms without understanding adult learning theory, without understanding psychology about how people see themselves. About uh, you say put every you're encouraged to put your whole life on there, but how do you how do you handle when somebody some fucking stranger comments on that in a negative way? We've not done with any of this. The mental health right now is abhorrent. It is ridiculous. I know. But I don't want to end on that note. What I want to end on is a tease for the next episode. And you don't even know this yet, but you're going to be excited about this. The next episode, we're going to talk about my idea for Art Basel. Oh, that's a great idea. I love that. That's what we're going to talk about. Okay. Yep. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, as someone who has gotten a glimpse of what that idea is. I can tell our listeners that they should tune in because there's a lot of exciting opportunity and I think Kim's going to really go for it. So that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm at this point, I'm like, I have nothing to lose. I'm going to, I'm going to swing for the fences. We're going to, if I, if, if I have to end, if it ends right now, I'm going out with a bang. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Good. We should kick off that. Uh, we need to kick off that episode talking about, is it Basil? Is it Basel? I have no exactly, idea. Exactly, I still exactly. don't know. I, have I no still idea. don't know. Exactly. It's the same thing. It I was, was like, about to say Basil, Basel, but I was like, <laughs> screw it. <laughs> well, it's, it's like, I, it's like for years, I used to call can con because everyone called it the con film festival uh, yeah, and, yeah. and con lion. And it just sounds yeah. fancy. And then, <laughs> then someone's like, you know, it's can, right? I'm like, no, actually I didn't know. No idea. Um, yep. so yeah, yeah, so we'll, maybe we'll debunk <laughs> that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's why I sh- shift it real quick. Cause I like us to end with laughter. Yeah. Good. Yeah. All righty. As we close this out, we'll close as we always do with an invitation. We are laying the foundation for the future that is hopeful, authentic, and strategic in action. Will you join us?